slow enough, I won't have to go. She's like, every, every time it's my Sunday, we have the most children. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. They all come because they know you're going to be there. <clears throat> all righty. Uh, little boy said, Mom, are bugs good to eat? Mom said, let's not talk about those kind of things at the dinner table. After dinner, the mother uh, went to the boy and said, all right, baby, what did you want to ask me? He goes, ah, nothing. There was a bug in your soup, but now it's gone. <laughs> For weeks, a six-year-old kept telling his first grade teacher about the baby brother or sister that was expected at his house. One day, the mother allowed the boy to feel the movement of the unborn child in her stomach. The six-year-old was obviously impressed, but made no comment. Furthermore, he stopped telling his teacher about the brother or sister that was coming. The teacher finally set the boy on her lap and said, Tommy, whatever has become of that baby brother or sister you were expecting at your house? Tommy burst into tears and said, I think mommy ate it. Jeremiah, Adam was laughing. Look at that. He was, I saw all his teeth on that one. That was good. Je <laughs> Jeremiah 29. We're going to be reading uh, verse 1, then we're going to skip to verse 4 and go down to 14. Jeremiah 29. <clears throat> Just so you know, the app has a Bible app on it. Uh, you can access it that way as well. Jeremiah 29. Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the remainder of the elders who were carried away captive to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. Then we're skipping to verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylonian. Build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters that you may be, be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace you will have peace. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets nor your... <laughs> yes. Chris, I'm in church. <laughs> Wow. Don't do the zoom in lens on this one. My face is probably beet red. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> Where was I? Um, a peace, a peace upon peace. Verse 8. <clears throat> 
for, 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 <laughs> for thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets nor your <laughs> who are, I like, I'm here in church, you know, <laughs> I don't get it. <clears throat> who are in the midst, deceive you. Don't let them deceive you. Nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, after 70 years are completed in Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me. When you search for me with all your heart, I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. sweating now I'm sure that every one of us have experienced times that were uncomfortable i.e. when your phone goes off in the middle of a sermon what was that commercial what was it where um, when you want to be somewhere else do you remember that commercials they, they would have an awkward moment and you know where you just want to get away is that what it was when you want to get away so, oh, there you go Southwest Airlines when you want to just get away that's, we've all been in those moments where it's awkward, you felt out of place. Perhaps it was when you were a new kid in class. Or it could be when you stepped off the plane in Florida like we did. We got on the plane in Chicago and flew to Florida. And uh, there was three feet of snow, ten below zero in Chicago. And uh, we're wearing heavy coats, snow boots, gloves, co uh, hats. Uh, thermal underwear, everything, and we get off the plane and we don't fit in. That time when we pulled into the gas station in the middle of the night and we realized we're in the wrong part of town, we probably should just go to the next gas station. We were in Florida and we were handing out food and we realized that we had gone off the grid. We were in a wrong place that nobody knew where we were and it probably wasn't real safe. We just wanted to get somewhere else. Didn't want to be where we were. Jeremiah's words today are written to a people who were in a place that they didn't want to be. And he had much to say to them. And he also has it to say to us today. See here in 597 BC, this is the best of the Jewish society and they had been exiled to Babylon as punishment after the rebellion the exile the exile felt out of place they weren't supposed to be there they were in a foreign country they had been separated from their homeland their society their culture their religion and they were homesick for the good old days at this time in history the gods were thought to be territorial there was gods over uh, different areas Yahweh or Lord was the God over Ju uh, Judah and Israel Marduk was the God over Babylon 
and the defeat of Judah and the exile of them made the people and the leadership interpret that Marduk was stronger than the Lord and that he had won this war. But verse 4 of Jeremiah's letter to the exile came as a shock to them. It boldly proclaimed that the Lord of hosts did not lose to Marduk. Rather, uh, Jeremiah's records uh, records that God uh, said in verse 4 there, it says, To all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. He's saying, I didn't lose to him. This, I put you there. I allowed you to go there because of your rebellion. God intended for them to be exiled. Later, they'll find out that it was because of their rebellionness and idolatry and lack of commitment to serve God. And this was because of, uh, caused their defeat. Now, the important point was that God had put them in Babylon. There was an important lesson for us in these words here this morning. We're often in situations where we're uncomfortable, where we don't think we should be. Why am I going through this? Why am I here? Why am I there? Sometimes we're at a job where we don't want to be in or cities where we'd rather not be in. We, we lived in Phoenix for many years. I hate the heat. Hate the heat. Nothing more than hate the heat. 120 some degrees. I did not like it. But God put us there. And while we're there, we choose to be content or not. And that's the way they felt. Sometimes uh, we're, we're not where we're happy. We're in a place where we're not happy. We might be in a group of people that we're not particularly close to or engaged in an activity that we simply don't want to be. We at times convince ourselves that God is far away. God has abandoned me here in this desolate Phoenix. God's uh, you know, not around. God's not hearing my prayer. Otherwise, God wouldn't allow me to be in this situation. But Jeremiah is telling you that God put us where we are. Now a side note, not every time that we're put somewhere is it because of sin. Sometimes God puts us somewhere for a purpose. Think of Joseph. He had to be in a bad situation so God could put him in the ultimate situation that he needed to be to lead his nation. I remember when Chris um, was working for Salvation Army and uh, she had been many years she had been up in Excelsior and then they uh, wanted to send her to Kansas City and uh, she had always said there's no way I would want to work in that office no way it's just you know it's the, so many people busy and everything she had to drive an hour there an hour home she was not happy about it and she used to be in Excelsior she was in an office of her own it was funny, <clears throat> um, my staff gave me, you know, like um, a gift for boss's day and, and I'd come home and I'd show her and she's like, oh yeah, my, my, I got one for my boss too. And she'd show me something and I'm looking at her and she went, I went shopping today and bought myself this. So 
<laughs> she, she won employee of the year every year. <laughs> her boss gave her a gift all the time. She was in that building by herself, and now she's going to an office that's full of people. Tons of offices and tons of people and tons of people in and out. And if you know her at all, you know that she's not a people person. At work, she likes to go into her office, shut the door, and just do her job. That's what she likes. And when she was there, you know, when she first got there, they, they were like, why do you just shut the door? And she's like, because y'all talk too much. I want to do my job. So it wasn't hers. She was not happy to be there. Finally, several months later, she came home and she said, I know why God put me there. God put me there. Here's the funny thing. She felt God put her there to be the joy and the happy amongst all of them. Now, again, if you know her, this is not her, but every morning she had to go in and say, good morning, how are you? Good morning, how are you? That is not Chris at all. She would just like to go straight to her office, get, get her stuff, and be, be there. But God put her there to bring the joy to everyone else. Once we find that out, once we figure out why we're there, instead of whining and complaining and stomping like a little child, going, I don't hate to be here. God's abandoned me. Woe is me. Once we know what we're supposed to do and we do it, it makes life so much better. Makes it happier. Until Chris started to grow the grass under her feet. She was miserable. Until she started growing the grass. Now we can look and we can say, I don't like the yard. The yard is awful. The grass is dying. But if we're not taking care of our own grass under, I was talking to someone last week about it. And he said that. He said, I've learned over the years Instead of complaining about the rest of the yard, I grow the grass under my feet. In other words, if we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, see, if I take care of my grass here, and you take care of your grass, and you and you, and we all take care of our grass, the yard looks a lot better, doesn't it? Or I could sit here and complain about how dead the grass is over there. And I'm not watering mine, I'm not growing mine, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Now, I'm not arguing for destiny or predestination or foreknowledge. What I want to stress is uh, have us celebrate God is actively moving in our lives and in the world. God is working to achieve his purpose. Even though God's ways may not be uh, understood by us, his ways are not always our ways. That doesn't mean that God isn't involved. How many know you don't? Well, you usually don't like God's ways. He doesn't ask my opinion, ever. Phil, are you okay if I put you here? Right? He's never asked me. Has he asked you? Because he knows more than me, and he knows if, I, if he asks me, I'm just going to whine and complain more. No, don't, do, don't put me there. I want to go here. Instead, he just puts me in this path, and I choose to be obedient or not. He puts the grass around me. I choose to water it and feed it and fertilize it or not. That's up to me. 
Wherever we are, we can celebrate that God knows where we are and that he's with us. In verses 5 and 6, God instructs the exiles to build houses, plant gardens, take wives. In verse 7, the exiles are even told to seek the welfare of the city where they have been sent. In other words, he's telling them, grow the grass under your feet. He told them to build houses. Be content where you are, not involved in there. He said, grow your families here so that you don't diminish, so that when the time comes, you're ready. That's what he's telling them. You need to stop whining and complaining and doing nothing for God. Get busy doing something so that when the time is right, when he calls your name, you're ready to go. Some of us are so busy whining and complaining, we're useless to God. I'm not talking to you guys. I'm talking about the church down the street. Just. Are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? Often we think that when we're in a situation in which we're uncomfortable or believe we're wrong, that we can't be used by God. That's not true. Even though conditions may not be ideal, God can use it and bloom the grass and grow the grass that's been planted there. It's usually when we think it's the darkest that the greatest miracles happen. Right? That's when the miracles happen. We're talking about this fundraiser for Hudson. I'm telling you, I was there that Saturday night in the hospital when the doctors are like, He's already died for however long, way too long. And we went and we prayed with him. And she said, not my will, but your will. We turn it over to God. We trust in him. I'm telling you, that was the darkest. At that moment, you could have easily said, there's no way. No way. With Jack, the doctors told her, there's no way. There's no way. There's nothing we can do. If we fix this, this is going to kill him. We fix this, this is going to kill him. He's going to die. Mark it in your book. Just prepare yourself. Prepare your house. He's a goner. Isn't it awesome? That in that moment, in the darkest moment, when we think, I can't be used here. Why in the world he put me here? That's when he calls us if we're ready. If our faith is ready. If we've been growing our faith. If we've been preparing ourselves. If we've planted seed. If we've built a house. If we've prepared our home. That's when the miracle happens. Some of us don't get miracles because we're too busy over in the corner pouting like a little child. And he's like, hey, it's time. Why in the world am I walking around this mountain for 40 years? Put your head up. Get busy doing something instead of just walking around, pouting in the corner, whatever. God has a purpose for you no matter where it is. If you're somewhere you don't like, thank him for it. Thank you, God, that you can work in this situation. Thank you, God, that you're bigger than me. You're bigger than these bad people. You're bigger than this bad situation. 
You're bigger than the wall of Jericho. You're bigger than the Red Sea. You're bigger than anything that we look at a situation and we go, you can't fix this. Nothing can be done here. But my God is bigger than on mountains. My God is bigger than the wall. My God is bigger than the ocean. Aren't you glad of that? But it's on us. Are we ready? Are we prepared to do what we're supposed to do? There's hope. We may begin to feel trapped at times in those places where we don't feel we belong. Speaking through Jeremiah, God gives the, these people a reason of hope. In verse 11, Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. No matter what's going on, we have hope. Why? Not because of the situation, not because of me, not because of anything here that we can touch or feel, but because of God. Because we hold on to God and we know that there's hope no matter what. We know there's a future no matter what. Why? Because He knows. I know the thoughts. I know the plans I've made for you. I know because I'm in control. You think the nation's going to pot? Yep, but you know what? My God's bigger than the nation. My God's bigger than the problems. My God is bigger than anything. He wrote the book. They can't rewrite it. They can't change it. They can't add, subtract, nothing. God is in control. We do what we're supposed to be doing and we trust in Him no matter what. And we win. I read the back of the book, by the way. I cheated. We win. Right? No matter what happens in your life, we win if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. The Lord is moving in a positive way in our lives. God is acting so we will eventually be in a place that will benefit us rather than harm us. This future of hope might be a situation where we feel like we're more centered in God's will and where we might be able to use our gifts and talents more effectively. Our future may be circumstances where we will be more fruitful in our service and more effective in sharing God's news. Now despair, depression, frustration, powerless. We don't need to be apart. These things should not be in us. We shouldn't get depressed in these situations. When we feel beat up, we need to reach down and get the joy you know, we have the Holy Spirit. And what's the Holy Spirit? That's our lifeline when we feel that despair, depression, frustration. And if we plug in to the power source, some of y'all got your cord just hanging out and we're not doing anything. We've got the electric, we got the power. There's a song, we've got the power in the name of Jesus. But we got to plug into the source. We've got to do something with it. It's useless. You know, <laughs> my dad used to say, <clears throat> he said, I, you know, I could have the most beautiful muscle. Just imagine, I know. Just I, the most beautiful muscle in the world. Be the strongest man and, and you know, better than Schwarzenegger or uh, The Rock or any of those guys, you know. 
But if I said it and they put a case around my arm, everyone come by and just be amazed at how awesome my muscle is. Eventually, I take my arm out of there, I wouldn't even be able to hold up my arm. Right? You don't use it, you lose it. It doesn't matter. We can't have place for that in our lives. The Lord works in ways that we don't truly understand. Our future is filled with hope because God is our future. We don't know the effects of the presence of the exile of the Jews there in, in Babylon. We do know that God was with them and just by being who they were, people of God, they had a witness in that society. In a similar manner, God is with us and using us to be a light in the darkness. We just said that our country is going to pot. Well, someone has to be the light. We can either complain about it or we can grow the grass where we are and be a light. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Christians are so busy hiding it under a bushel. People tell me all the time, it's hard to witness. Oh, that's just not my personality. Oh, no, no, no. You're hiding your light. God puts you somewhere, and there's souls out there dying and going to hell, and you're too scared. You're too embarrassed. That's not my person. You're making excuses. If God puts you there, be the light and shine. Grow the grass where you are. Stop complaining. Stop worrying about woe is me. Sometimes we're in a place like in the scriptures that we need to learn something. And God gives us instructions on how to handle this situation. Jeremiah 29 verse 12. We continue on there. He said, Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me. When you search for me with all your heart... All your heart. Not just when you want something. Not just when you're whining and complaining and moaning and groaning. We, we got to sell out, people. We got to be all in or all out. There's no middle ground. There's no fence. You can't walk. You can't be lukewarm. You can't be mediocre. You got to be all in. And when you search him with all your heart... I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to a place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. That's the secret. They were in captivity, and he said, look, verse 11, he said, I know the thoughts. I'm going to give you peace. I'm, I've got a plan for you. But then he goes right into verse 12, and he says, then you will call upon me with all your heart and you will find me. When you search for me, you will find me. When you're sold out. When you're all in. Not just a genie in a bottle. I want, I want, I need, I need. So many people are praying for different things. It, it baffles my mind. It amazes me that people want from God. God, can you please do this for me? God, can you please do that for me? Oh, I need this. I need that. I need this. Where are you in church? You got no time for God in church. 
And I'm probably talking to people that are watching right now. Really? Can't get off your couch and get to church for God. But boy, you need from Him. I don't have time to do a devotion. I don't have time to read the Bible or pray or... Ouch. Are we all in or is he just a genie in a bottle to us? We wonder why we're still in captivity, not doing anything for God, not getting blessings. Can't even give God an hour and a half of our time. Why, Pastor, you know what my week's like. I need a day of rest. Now you need a day with Jesus is what you need. Because he's my strength. He gives me rest. He gives me peace. He gives me comfort. He gives me joy. And let me tell you, anything that you put before God, that's your God. Whatever has your time and your money, that's your God. The call is to set our minds on seeking and calling upon the Lord our God with our whole heart. And when we do, he'll come and rescue us. You don't like where you are? Grow the grass around you. He'll move you somewhere else to grow. By the way, you'll be happy once you grow the grass. and everyone, All of us are growing the grass. Be a better place to live. If every Christian in Richmond, Missouri would grow the grass where they are, our town would blow up and change. Get on fire for God like none other. You see and hear about these revivals. And let me tell you, those aren't even towns getting on fire. It's a church deciding that God's number one. They sell out, give him his whole heart. That's where the revival hits that church. We don't have a revival. Don't look around at other people. Look in the mirror. You want to see a change in your, in your life? You want to see a change in your job? You want to see a change in the city? In the church, start looking in the mirror. Are you growing the grass around you where you're supposed to? Is the grass green or dead around you? Are you doing something for God? Are you building homes, planting seeds like you're supposed to? Are you so busy listening to gossip, pouting in the corner, whining and complaining, whatever it is going on in your life that you're not supposed to be doing? You're missing out on the promises of God. You're missing out on the blessings. The promise is that when we call upon the Lord and come to Him in prayer with our whole heart, He's going to listen. We'll find Him. And He'll bring us out of captivity, out of our sin, out of our situation. Whatever it is, you're either there for a purpose or you're there because of sin. Either way, you need to change something. You need to be doing something. No matter what's going on in your life. You don't like it? You need to get on your knees. This altar should be filled every single Sunday. You don't have time to come and pray and spend a little time with God, worship God. But we have time to whine and moan and groan and complain. We need something from God. Give Him your whole heart. You want your situation to change, your circumstances to change? Give Him your whole heart. And let's get busy doing what we're supposed to be doing. Let's bow our heads.
if you're watching this morning or you're here or listening to it online, podcast, whatever, if you don't know Him as your Savior, if you don't know the sacrifice that He made, let me tell you, He died on the cross just for you. He said if you were the only one, that He would have done it for you. Doesn't matter how great your, uh, horribly your, your past is. <clears throat> it doesn't matter what Satan tells you, the lies that people may tell you. God sent His Son to die on the cross just for you. Because He loved you that much. And all we have to do is ask Him to forgive us of our sins and to come into our hearts. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to You. Lord, we thank You that You sent Your Son, Jesus, to die for each and every one of us. In spite of our past, You chose us. In spite of our flaws, You loved us. And God, we come to you right now, ask you to forgive us of our sins, to come into our hearts and change us. We thank you, Father. Lord, for the rest of us, Lord, we ask you to forgive us for being miserable and being miserable people and, and whining. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in the good times and the bad times, on the mountains and in the valleys. Lord, we want to give you our all. We want to sell out to you, Lord. Change our hearts. Change our minds to focus on you and to be what you want us to be. Lord, help us to look in the mirror and focus and start growing the grass where we are, Lord. Changing lives of people that come into our come in contact with us, Lord, to be the witness that you want us to be. Lord, we want to put you first in everything. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.